Craig Dent, artist, musical creator, pretty much everything you can think of in the creative world, Craig has dabbled in that. But I want to ask you about football. Really? Just to get started today. Will I be specifically about the Melbourne Demons by chance? (laughs) No, but I'm sure you're excited about that still. I notice you've dyed your hair. It's not blue and red, though. Oh, it went close. (laughs) So Mel and I were speaking earlier because we were looking through some of what you've done and the topic of being a football coach came up and running an academy. And we were wondering, what is the term for the ladies' form of the game now? Is it AFLW at the level you're coaching or what's it actually called? Oh, it'd be youth girls, I think. Northeast Border FFL, Female Football League. But some of the girls actually are still playing in with the boys at a level up to about under 14s. Yeah. AFLW is probably the term most used. I guess specifically AFLW is the AFL women's comp. And there's VFLW, which is the Victorian Football League women's comp. So I spent a week down there with Casey doing some development at the VFL level. So when you say Casey, who's Casey? Casey Demons. So Casey Demons are... Oh, yep. Yeah, they're the the subsidiary club to Melbourne Demons AFLW. Yep. I thought you meant an actual person called Casey to start with. (laughs) Well, funnily enough, they actually have a player named Casey Sheriff. There you go. um, Which is my sister's nickname because she lives in Casey and she's referred to as the Casey Sheriff. So (laughs) I actually got Casey Sheriff's signature for my sister, who is the Casey Sheriff. It was quite funny. (laughs) Casey did a video and said uh, she was the real Casey Sheriff. (laughs) Did you actually, like, only acquire that player because of her name? Or was she talented? (laughs) Yeah, did you draft her for her name? (laughs) Nah, well, she's, you know, obviously already an existing Melbourne player, so I just happened to be down there, and my brother rang me up and said, do you know there's an actual Casey Sheriff playing for Melbourne? And... (laughs) I said, yeah, and he he laughed because obviously it was my sister's nickname. So, Craig, how did you become interested? I mean, maybe not so much in football because a lot of people have an interest in football, but coaching and the women's side of the game. Well, I've been coaching since 1991, probably before either you or Mel were born. Yeah, Um, that's generous. Thanks, mate. Yeah, thank you. Very. So I initially I coached through after-school care in Macquarie in Canberra, and I was also a writer in residence straight out of uni with Mm -hmm. the school. So I always had that duality of doing the creative work during the day and football like in the evening. And to be honest now, for me, because so much of what I do is by myself in my own space, the the connection with people and community in football is fantastic. But it's, it's always been an interesting thing that I do both. And I remember when I put my first book out at Uni of Canberra, this girl said, oh, I thought you were just this, like, football head, and then you've, like, done this book. And I said, well, there's no reason why you can't do both, so. Yeah. And I'm sure you've had the opposite. Oh, I thought you were just an artist, and now you're heavily invested in a sport. Well, yeah, (laughs) it's funny when you meet people in the arts community and start talking football, and, you know, sometimes it's just they... (laughs) Get a blank expression on so, that face. <laughs> one thing I've always admired about you, Craig, and the better that we've gotten to know each other over the last two years, I guess, is that you definitely have the spirit of why not just be both or why not just love everything that you like? Why pretend that you're one thing or another? Yeah. Has that always been part of who you are? Or do you, re- do you remember a time where you're like, yeah, I am like that? 
Yeah, I think it, I like the energy of football and I like the energy of music. So, I mean, when I was a kid, my favourite character was Bugs Bunny, which probably explains everything. <laughs> um, so I like that dynamic of coaching sport and the tactics and the strategy that goes on with that as much as I like creative direction on a creative project like the 3D at Bogong. Yeah. So when you talk about the 3D, well, firstly, I just want to know, how did you flip into women's football coaching? Okay, so I had had a bit of a break from football coaching. Yeah. And I had just done my teaching degree and I met with the NEB and mm-hmm. said that I was interested in doing rep coaching. And North they, East Border. North East Border, yep. yeah. And said that I was interested in doing rep coaching because I'd done rep coaching in Canberra with ACT boys. And they said, we don't really have a boys position going, but we do have a girls position available. So that at the time was under 18s, NEB, Bush Rangers, and we played down in Gippsland. Three of the girls now playing AFLW, so we obviously had a pretty good team. So I did that for a couple of years and then went into club football. Do you like coffee? Yes, I do like coffee. Do you know how we could make each other really happy? If you got on to punchingsideways.com and hit the buy me a coffee button and hooked me up with some caffeine, that would be great. He's a, as Mel would say, Craig's a bit of a slashy. You are a slashy. You're an artist slash football coach slash... (laughs) And I, I thought that I knew a little bit about what was going on with AFL Northeast Border, but obviously not. I'm running some trainings at Faguna next week, Mel, so I look forward to seeing you out I, there. I've played <laughs> one well, season. Well, uh, we're looking for coaches as well for uh, the female program out there, so <laughs> I'm sure you'd be great. I'm a much better coach than I am a player, that's for sure. <laughs> so, Craig, you'd mentioned a word in there or a phrase that people might not be familiar with, and that was artist in residence. What was that for and what does that mean to people listening? Uh, well, Creative Victoria funded the most recent project that I did, which was with Outdoor School Bogong. And Justin Dellinger, who works at Camera House, had showed me some of the 3D work that he was doing with a 3D camera. And... I said to him, it'd be pretty amazing to put creative writing into this and explore a whole new dynamic of creative writing. So we did a teaser with Taylor Power, who's one of the girls I coached at Alpine Lions, and Taylor and her dad met us and we shot all this 3D vision in in a forest in the Alpine, and Taylor then did a voiceover about you know her connection with wilderness. And we showed that to the outdoor school and then put a submission into Creative Victoria and they funded it. So that project's just been completed and it's now being extended into next year, which is exciting. So, And getting back to what I was saying before, you were also, you seem to just be continuously looking for interesting talent to bring onto your projects. Like you're talking about bringing in a football player. Is that something, like most people would be thinking, okay, I'm going to do this thing, it's involving film, 3D, et cetera, et cetera, let's go find someone that's got acting experience or can that can present to the camera or whatever. Like how did you spot this particular person that you were, I'm assuming the Alpine Lions is a football team. Yeah, yeah. That was so was there something? football club. Yes. They were rough too. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're good. So you're just, you're not really one of these people to me that just thinks, oh, well, artists are artists and I've got to look to them to find talent for things. Well, the first thing that I, when I was driving here, I thought I really, really enjoy 
is giving young people an opportunity to do something creatively or in football. And I particularly like working in the remote areas. So it doesn't phase me at all to be up at Estal Mida or Bogong or up around Koryong. I actually feel right at home being out in the wilderness or out in you know regional towns. And, and to me, the access for those younger people is great, which is also why I ran the Mount Beauty Academy while I was working at Bogong. So what exactly was the Mount Beauty Academy? Well, t- to try something different, we basically trained the boys and girls that wanted to train to a- to another level, September to December, to prepare them for bush rangers and a bit of a pre-season for next year. And we had 20 boys and girls aged 12 to 18. Mm-hmm. They all trained in together. Yeah. And I think the fantastic thing is the boys now don't bat an eyelid that the girls are playing. They were fully, you know... We, it was full-on contact. We did yeah. pretty tough training sessions, probably seven or eight kilometres of work like per training. So, you know, neither, neither gender worried about each other. They just all interacted, and I think that's the power of where football's going. So what was the prerequisites to, to be part of this? Just talent or just anyone that wanted to have a crack? The club had identified some players up at Dettering Mount Beauty and there are obviously some Alpine Lions girls who last year played in a team called United, which mm-hmm. was during COVID with three teams merged. Yeah. And they wanted to really prepare for Bush Rangers, which was kicking off in November. And then obviously there were some delays around COVID as well. So Sam Pepler and Taylor Power and a couple of others like had got themselves in a position where they were really fit leading into the the testing for bush rangers. And next week is a three to four week program with the Thaguna women and youth girls. So just so people know, we're talking at the end of December yeah. 2021, just for people's time. Yeah, 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 so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you're doing all this football stuff, which is amazing. And I don't think I'd realise you had such a history of coaching, Craig. I wasn't sure if it was something you came to later and obviously not because you've been doing it since the early 90s, but you were talking in there about how a couple of teams merged during COVID. Yeah. So you would have had a bit of an inside look at how tough those conditions were on the Alpine sports leagues and a lot of these places. I grew up in Corriong. Yeah. It, it lives and breathes football and netball through that period and some of those sports weren't happening. Yeah. Can you give us any insights maybe you had over that period on, was it tough for the girls or did they apply themselves mostly to fitness if they weren't playing? Like how did they how did they handle it? The hardest thing was the geographical distances between players. So at the end of 2019, we'd actually made the club's first ever grand final. So needless to say, the girls were pretty pumped to get into a pre-season and have a crack at winning it. Like we were beaten by Lavington that were a much more older and powerful team than us. But we were proud of the fact that we got in there because at one point we were second last and we mm-hmm. won nine games, eight games in a row to, to actually make the finals. And, you know, to make a grand final was awesome, but we had a bigger plan in mind. So obviously when COVID struck, we'd had a practice game on the 19th, uh, 15th of March, 2020, and we looked super fit. Like we'd gone to that next level of like getting fit. We had a big squad because I'd taken on 14s and 17s girls together and we had about 36 players. So we had plenty of, 
you know, luxury of who we would pick based on training and therefore our standards had gone a lot higher. And COVID hit and the girls were really disappointed because they couldn't kickstart the season. And then it became a week-by-week proposition, which was, to be honest, a nightmare from a coaching point of view because Vic Government said, okay, these are the rules. Then the AFL had to react to that. Then the AFL briefed the clubs who then briefed us as coaches. So at one point, and this will sound, this is at its most extreme, you're only allowed to train players in groups of 10. So given that I had 36, 37 players, we had one group training at Glen Rowan, one group training at Dedarang, one group training at Myrtleford, and one group training at Beechworth. Yeah. So that the girls could access in from their local communities. And so the girls went a long time not seeing one another from those different areas. Yeah. So that was really, really hard. And then then next thing you know, we're back. You know, like we're training full on again, ready for a season. The draw comes out. Then there's a border closure and the season's off. Yeah. So that was really, really hard. And I think from the female football program point of view, happened at a point in time when probably the the novelty of playing AFLW or playing female football was plateauing. Yeah. Probably, you know, a slightly still steady increase. And then, of course, COVID's delivered a big whack to, you know, male and female sport. Yeah, it was a, t- oh, it was a tough time for everyone, I suppose. But, yeah, definitely the separation... And that border thing really inhibited a lot of leagues with player access and stuff like that, yeah, particularly yeah. those more remote ones re- which rely on, like, an Albury Wodonga people to sort of supplement some yeah. of their teams as well made it made it a little bit hard. Well, and, of course, the other thing at the beginning of 2020 was the fires. So, yeah. obviously, being an Alpine-based team, we had girls being evacuated and so, you know, constantly on the phone to see that they were okay. And yeah. and then when COVID hit, you know, that, those massive 10-week blocks of lockdowns in Victoria, we ran an online training program. So we put the girls in their groups of 10 and they we ran like a, like a virtual Olympics type of thing where they could earn points for their team. Yeah, so cool. we kept them fit and it just had to be innovative as, as a coach to try and work out how to not – and look, in the end, it wasn't just about footy. Yeah. It was actually about their mental health as well. Yeah. Parents actually ringing up and saying their daughter hadn't left her room for three days or whatever. And, you know, I'm on the phone saying, you need to go for a walk. I'm yeah. not just talking footy. And yeah. a walk needs to become a run because you're going to feel better about yourself getting out and about. Yeah. So I think, you know, when you think of how remote some of those communities are, the kids then being locked down as well and, and the lack of social interaction was a big impact on them. So when you're managing that sort of scenario, how do you manage yourself or do you go into autopilot and deal with everyone else and put yourself on the back burner? I think it's safe to say at the end of 2020, I was completely exhausted. Like yeah. I just finished my creative industries degree and I was at the end of a five-year cycle of coaching, which had started, you know, in a a role with the NEB, like not just as a rep coach, but promoting the game in schools. Yeah. And then, you know, I'd gone, I'd taken on New South Academy as well at that point, and I was doing some baseline coaching in Albury, Wodonga for the Bush Rangers girls that were based here, like Murray Bush Rangers. And so then I went back to club footy. 
obviously we then had to expand Alpine lines and the idea of it back into that right truly into the Alpine because Wang Rovers had come into the competition. So that was a lot of work. So then when the COVID year happened, I went from a year where we probably thought we're going to contest another grand final to having two teams and just having to work really hard to keep those girls heads above water and the and the parents as well. But I had some awesome dads and Emily Hurley that was learning coaching as well. Like there was some great support there. What did you do for yourself though? <clears throat> Probably not enough. Not enough? No. And I think I think uh it was about August twenty twenty that I went and saw Ray and said I'm I'm just spent. I just can't I can't do anymore. Yeah. Um, and the warning signs were probably there beforehand. Yeah. And also, I was living at Warrali, so I was actually cut off from my own family. So I didn't see mum and dad for three and a half months. Yeah. Okay. And I found that really hard. Like my brother and I catch up all the time, and we, you know, at one point six or seven weeks till we caught up. I remember, Craig. This is not something we've talked about, but I remember like just seeing you over the last six to eight months and talking to you on the phone compared to mid-2020 when we were doing a lot of work together, mm. sometimes I could tell that you'd come in from basically being out of town and you had about 5,000 words for me in the first 10 minutes. Yeah. And you're so much more relaxed now than I've ever probably, while I've known yeah. you well, than compared to the middle of last year. Because yeah. what you didn't mention in there is you also have about 800 long-term artistic projects that you were trying to finish off in 2020. Yeah. And some of them were ahead of time. Some were falling way behind. Yeah. There was complications. Yeah. You have a lot of people involved in some of them. Yeah. So it wasn't just a football world that it's, you were, you well, know, trying to balance. Yeah. There was a massive number of artistic projects. Yeah. And I, I think too, because I was isolated, I was in a farmhouse down there. So I'd actually crossed back over the border the day that the border was being closed. Yeah. And I, primarily because of footy. Yeah. Because I, I was doing university online. So, but then it went on and on and on and like, you know, seven days turned into seven weeks, turned into like, you know, 12 weeks or whatever it was or 14. Yeah, it, it, it did actually wear me down. And you're right, Josh, in that I would, because I was by myself, I would ring someone and it, I'd be on the phone for an hour and a half. Yeah. Whereas now I see those same assistant coaches and we have a chat and I'll go, right, I'll see you later. Yeah. I didn't have that. But, but I think what that outlined was... I was just living there, like, in that space. So I imagine someone who was really isolated, you know, who's on a farm. I was at least in the town of Worrally, so I could walk up to the cafe and say good day to the pub owners or whatever. But imagine if you're really isolated. And this is the, this is the impact of COVID, I think, we're yet to see. Yeah. The impact on people's mental health, let alone people trying to pay mortgages and run businesses and things like that. I think it... It's definitely there. It's just not the fact that is getting shown to the world a little bit. Like it blew my mind. About a month ago I read that they've cut funding to the mental health facilities at Aubrey Base Hospital. Yeah, it's staggering. And I was like, why? Of all times, this is when we need it the most. Yeah. But it's just going into different areas. And I'm like, that just seems very, very foolish to me because I even – myself with the isolation or not working in the same type of work that I would have been doing yeah. if we weren't locked down, struggled 
massively and I don't think anyone really didn't to a degree, even if you are an introvert or anything, you had other things removed from you that you would usually have free access to. So to shut down something like that and like the waiting list to see a professional at the moment is absolutely bonkers. Yeah. Like I've got a referral into a psychologist that has been in since, firstly I had to convince the doctor and then it took a while, it's been in since August and it still hasn't been triaged yet. And I've rung like three or four times and they're like, oh yeah, do we just, with that under the pump. I'm like, yeah. you haven't lost it. No, we haven't lost it. <laughs> yeah. But don't expect an appointment till June or July. Yeah. Holy moly. And it's it, not been tria like not even been signed off yet. It's physical and mental jet lag in a way. Yeah. And I've got a mate that actually had to wait three and a half months to find out whether he had prostate cancer or not. Yeah. Holy moly. And so that's, that's kind of- crucial that's time. That's in Queensland. To, yeah. So that's what we're dealing with, you yeah. know. So it's a massive impact across the board. It's a massive. So okay, we'll shelve that. But we'll sidetrack into these other artistic projects. Do you do you find that they help you, as well as sort of maybe impact you by putting all this pressure on yourself? But is it another form of outlet for you to to get your happy feels? Hey, punching sideways people! Guy Miley Corain here from Big and Tall Trivia. You can see all our upcoming events and also find out more about when our next trivia nights are happening. Just head over to facebook.com slash big and tall trivia. Now, let's get back to the podcast. Okay, we'll shelve that, but we'll sidetrack into these other artistic projects. Do you, do you find that they help you as well as sort of maybe impact you by putting all this pressure on yourself? But is it another form of outlet for you to, to get your happy feels? The fact that I was doing finishing the creative industries degree actually helped me through being isolated and away yeah. from family because yeah. I had deadlines of assignments yeah. and I had lined up my creative projects as the assessments, which was approved by the uni. So that actually helped me in a really big way, yeah. especially when I'm all of a sudden living in a country town and there's no football. Yeah. So I didn't even have that outlet. So yeah. even now with... I love footy as that social outlet. So all of a sudden I'm not seeing my family and I don't have football. So, yeah. you know, there's one point where I was like walking up to the ground and, you know, sending the players like a video of the goals and this is what we're going to do and yeah. trying to engage in that way. So creatively I I got through it and the, even this year, like I think the watershed day and I've forgotten the date, but the lockdown ended. Yeah. Let's see, because I contract to schools and I'm not actually a teacher, well, I am qualified as a teacher, the rules were I wasn't allowed back on campus at Bogong. Yeah, right? okay. And I had to start this project because it had already been condensed from like 20 weeks back to about six. Yeah. So I basically just started driving toward Mount Beauty <laughs> and I'd already organised board there if I needed it yeah. and to meet the teachers in cafes or whatever. Yeah. So I'd pulled over at Gundowring and Regional Arts Victoria, Kelly Sutherland, who's a local regional arts officer who actually used to be in architecture of Helsinki, by oh, the way. Right. Okay. okay. Um, so knows her stuff and she was awesome. Like she rang me and we I parked under this big oak tree and we chatted for about an hour trying to 
get our heads around, yeah. you know, project timelines, where I was at in the whole thing. And then she got off the phone. Creative Victoria rang me. That was another half an hour on the phone trying to go through timelines and figure things mm-hmm. out. And then I literally hung up the phone said, all right, I'm heading to Mount Beauty. And I had to stop the car again because the school rang and it was Marty, the deputy principal, said, right, we've booked you in accommodation at Mount Beauty. Get up here. Let's get started. And when you're allowed back on campus. Yeah. So got up there and it was no joke. It was absolute pedal to the metal. Like yeah. we finished the project like the night before the launch. Yeah. So it was like I, there was one day and it was 5 a.m. start through to about 10.30 at night, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do, you, do you look back on that now though, Craig? Obviously you just said you finished it. Was there even a greater sense of accomplishment and relief for everyone involved that you got something across the line on what may have seemed like almost an impossible timeline? Well, the principal and the uh, manager at Creative Victoria said, look, we can finish this the end of term one. <laughs> And I was like, no way, like we need to get this finished. I've got plans going into next yeah. year. I don't have so, time in turn one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I put myself under that pressure. And look, it's probably as I get older now, you start to realise as you get older, you can't always run on adrenaline. Yeah. Because your mind might be active and going, okay, I'm I'm on this kind of bullet train of creativity. But, you know, the old uh, locomotive gears... <laughs> Yeah. Um, are not operating in that in that mindset. So next year for me is more about focusing on this 3D platform and, and actually going through a six-month period of research and development before we then start re-engaging schools. Yeah. So that's important because otherwise you go full tilt and you, you end up falling over. How do you – have you ever worked not full tilt though? Well, before I did all of this, I actually worked in major events at okay. Albury City, which yep. was full on. So so you haven't had a, a non-like, like you're talking about the next sort of six months being a bit more like pared back and just, you know, taking your time and your steps. How do you think you're going to cope with that as opposed to just this pressure cooker situation that deadlines are really good to motivate you, right? Yeah. I I'm terrible when I've got too much time. So before I say, you're so busy, I get so much more done when I'm really busy. Yeah. If I've got too much time, I just lose momentum. How do you think you're going to manage? I think I have to balance. So the most relaxed I am, funnily enough, is if I'm at footy training coaching. Yeah. I know that sounds like a mad kind mm. of dichotomy or whatever nah, the term is. Or if I've got a camera and I'm out in the wilderness somewhere, or I take pad and pen, I'll often drive out to Tabletop Reserve, which is just past Bona, and sit at the table there and just do some writing yeah, um, or any kind of natural space that I can get myself into. So that's the most relaxed. I have to find that balance between that and then this Future Wild project now being contracted by City of Danny Nong and Australian Cultural Fund saying, let's roll this out on a bigger scale. I have to find that balance because... I am getting older, and if I don't find that balance, I'm going to pay for it. It's not sustainable. <laughs> That's right. The the Future Wild is, for anyone listening, just in case that what didn't come up earlier, is the name of the project from the Bogong School that yeah. Craig did. And I'll put in the show notes for today's episode some links to things that associate to that that Craig has online that you can check out. If you're interested, it's pretty 
is pretty expansive and incredible, really, as an idea. And Mel saw a tiny bit of it before we started. Would you like to do like a quick give us the sixty seconds? Yeah, of what what it is. (laughs) Okay, sixty seconds, Craig. You've never done this before, so (laughs) okay, I'll give this a crack. It's a speculative universe on the future of wilderness as told by youth, specifically Year Nines, set in the year two thousand and fifty, and includes young people's ideas about what 2050 is going to look like across the range of the environment, technology themselves, etc. which, to be honest, I was really confronting, really, really confronting. But also, on the positive side, includes their self-identity in the natural world. And that's when they came and did the five-hour walks up to Bogong with the awesome team that's up there, and they weren't allowed to take their phones. And their mindset went from one point to another and their work that they wrote after they'd got back from the walks was really inspiring. Just some of the things they wrote and said about their connection with the natural world was amazing and I think that proves why we have facilities like Bogong Outdoor School. Well, that was almost spot on, 60 it, seconds. It was. <laughs> and from a visual perspective, the stuff that I've seen, it's, well, you're actually 3D looking down at Mount Bogong and through it, like as if you were virtually walking through yourself. And it's sort of like a choose your own adventure where you're following different people down their paths. And so it's really cool to, to have a bit of a look at. So, yeah, get around it. One thing you have coming forward, we're talking visuals and into 2022, you made a calendar, which I know is something that Mel's also done in the past for a different application. No, so, that, that could come across in a I'm, very I'm, I'm now, different I'm now, way. I'm now quite curious to what Mel's calendar is. So, I'm not, I'm, so am I. Yeah, I'm definitely not rephrasing that. Mel, Mel's was for a fire brigade fundraiser. Right. And which also may still it's give a, people the wrong idea. It's a different application. Yeah. Anyway. And Craig, can you tell us about your calendar? Because you've been posting these amazing posts on Facebook about people that are purchasing your calendar and how you came to know that person and why they're important in your life. And some of these things, then that's why I wanted to have you back on. I thought I knew you pretty well because we've had a hundred plus hours of hanging out in the studio probably in total. But I just like, wow, you did this in that year. And you, firstly, you've got an incredible memory for all these details. For individual- probably, probably not drinking as hell <laughs> with that. But just all these incredible histories you have with people that are supporting the calendar. Two-part question. Why did you feel the need to put those histories up with people, which I think is great, but also can you just tell us what the calendar is? So my family and friends are my greatest inspiration. That Those people and the natural world and my friends have modelled for me. They're the source of pieces that I've written. On, on Bespoken, which was funded by Regional Arts Victoria, it's the web companion to the physical form of the calendar it's actually a forerunner in that if you if you look at that first it'll give context to the calendar and for example my friend Paula Breeze died of breast cancer which was very traumatic because I'd grown up with her so that was really really hard to watch and I just supported her as much as I could so the beautiful dark is in that web link not yet on a calendar but then there's work on the calendar, like Circles in the Sand, which was written for my grandfather, who's now not with us. I've just always, in my heart, always loved being around friends and family. It's the most important thing to me. And 
Therefore, when I put the calendar out, given that they're the source of my inspiration, I do this with coaching. When I coach football, every player in the squad I almost see like a potential AFL player or you know, some kind of superhero in their potentiality. I always think positively as much as I can about what they're doing, unless I don't train. <laughs> so to me, the, the, the reflections about my friends with the calendar was really important because if it wasn't for them, I probably wouldn't write what I write. So, and I see what they go through and, you know, I try and support them as much as I can. And I, and I think the sign of that, and this is, you know, getting a bit deep, but the opening piece in the Bespoken Project, which is the forerunner, is about my friend's suicide. And I wrote it a year afterwards when I was like really angry, like really angry about what had happened. But around that, getting that anger out, it, it ends with my own reflection on how I want to move forward with my life and, and do the right thing by people. But I think when you get that absolute punch to the jaw and that jolt of someone actually choosing to not be here, it's incredibly sad, not just for that person that they're not wanting to be here and for their family in particular, but you realise that all the people around you matter even more. It, it's, it's just a context thing that you go... You know, you wake up every morning and go, okay, who am I going to see today? What am I going to get done? So it's the cattle prod that sort of jars you in, okay, I can't just cruise through life and accept that I'm going to spend eight hours watching Netflix, Yeah, even though I like Netflix. You've got to, and you've got to be there and try and support people. And so my friends have always been there for me and vice versa. So to me, those dedications, a galaxy forms in a forest glade, is the calendar. It's almost like this moment in time that we're in yep. at the minute. But also it was work in that calendar that I didn't lose in a fire that, at Leneva where I lost all my slides and encyclopedic dictionary my nana had left me and all that stuff. So it, it was a moment of reflection. That's what the calendar represents. But then to turn it into a galaxy forms in a friendship made is all the infinite possibilities of a friendship that you can be friends with someone for 30 years or 30 minutes, Mel, like you and I have just <laughs> formed our friendship, and you will always learning something about other people. Yeah. yeah. I would very much agree with that. Take an opportunity that presents itself in front of you. On the flip side of that, you said, like, you want to see people. Does that also make you reflect on people that you don't want in your life and cut them out that aren't serving you purpose? I've probably always seen everyone through rose-tinted glasses. Yeah. And I remember Just that, for people at home, Craig shifted in his seat a little bit there. Yeah, no, that I was did. an uncomfortable yeah. question yeah. for that was him. A, yeah. um, no, I'll be loyal to a point, Yeah, right? And I had a friend that I actually went to school with and he'd been in a really bad way. And he just said, oh, you see the world like so optimistically is it almost dangerous to have that thinking, you know, that you're so trusting of people? So, yeah, as I've got older, I've probably had to have more of a radar about things and situations and people. But in general, even now, like I love coaching the young people and I'll take all the parents and all the families that I meet at face value and I don't 
judge them in any way to the point where even when I had the bush rangers, there was one girl who could not afford to go. And I actually made representation to the AFL and said, I believe this girl could be an elite footballer given she makes the right choices yeah. and she actually got to go and represent Northeast Border. So to me, that's seeing the positive in people's potentiality, not seeing the negative or stereotyping who they are. I think the only disagreements you and I had creatively last year in the studio was me just always asking, why are we waiting on this person? And why do you care about their little part in something that they recorded on a music track 10 years ago? And I think you and I butted heads a little bit on, we met in the middle, obviously it was your project, you had final say. But I was always thinking, we're waiting on the opinion of someone that I'm not sure you actually like, but it never occurred to you that maybe it didn't seem like it did anyway, that maybe you could just go, oh, no, we'll move on from that. Yeah. <laughs> you, in that way, you're the perfect foil because my that optimism, yeah, we might have been waiting another few weeks for that to come through. So you actually helped me ad- put it in a timeline. Like uh, driving here, I actually just listened to Tom Morello's new album. Yep. And one Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine, yeah, for those brilliant, listening. Brilliant yep. guitarist and one of my favourite bands. You know, Audio Slave, obviously, and Prophets of Rage, like fantastic albums. And it was interesting because he's experimenting with all these different genres. And one reviewer said he's not focused because he's by himself and he's trying these different things. So it's it's interesting when you think about your own circumstance of am I taking on too many different things and not focusing on one particular thing? Mm. Mel's got her hand up. I've got my hand up. That's absolutely what I do. And But I love what he's done, but I can see the point of the reviewer that those other projects are so focused. But having said that, he's tried some different things that are way out there. And in order to go forward, I guess you have to do that. I I think that for me... The Future Wild Project, when I met Stephen Richardson in Melbourne, who's the Australian Cultural Fund, he was just sitting there smiling. And I thought, this guy either thinks I'm an idiot, um, (laughs) which is a strong possibility, um, or he he thinks I'm onto something. And the campaign manager was viewing it for the first time, which he wanted her to have that engagement and reaction. And I looked at him and I said, so do you like it? And he said, I've already watched it twice in full. And he said, I think this idea of young people talking about, you know, the environment and the future and where that, how they feel going forward is so important in the here and now, but it's so important for 2050 and all the targets that are said that they're going to be all of our age. I just threw myself in there with you two. (laughs) Um, So, but what, but then he said to me, what I like about this is you're focused on this idea. Yeah. You're focused on rolling this out, not I'm going to do this and then there's that. And so, yeah. I think part of the reason that I was always in progressive rock bands was that part of the genre was there is no limit on how weird and how many tangents you can go on in a song and how many influences and genres you can have in there yeah. because it's almost you've got the sign of approval just to throw anything in there like a kitchen sink, just, oh, that rock, jazz, metal, punk, whatever. Yeah. And I think I stuck to that because I didn't have any limitations on me. Yeah. And then most of the feedback that I still receive from that music is, 
I love these bits and that bit was confusing and that bit yeah. does just seemed out of place. <laughs> so there's <laughs> got to be a mid-ground in there between focus and like following some of the rabbit trails and some of the explorations, but not all of them. Yeah. Could we finish up knowing how you look at that moving forward? Like how do you know when something's the right rabbit trail to go down creatively? My favourite artist is Banksy. And what I love about Banksy, he doesn't give a shit about death by committee. I just swore then, Josh, you might have to edit that out. <laughs> That's fine. That's probably about the nicest thing anyone said on this show. <laughs> <laughs> so what I like about Banksy is he's got an idea and he'll go and do it, he or she, will go and do it and actually put that on a wall or wherever and it magically appears and it's always related to that environment. So, And then in history, when you listen, when you think about all of the great bands that have arisen going, going back, and I'll probably... One is the police and that their, their fusion of jazz, rock and reggae into even now songs that are still played like Walking on the Moon and that. It was so out of control at the time but also popular. And then when U2 first came on the scene with, you know, the ringing guitars and the fact that the Edge used, I think, four different speaker boxes to get that beautiful chiming guitar sound that they've often used in their early work. It's, it's not just about creating to type it's actually about pushing the envelope for your own satisfaction but also that how how are the arts ever going to progress if we've got to put a warning on or we're politically correct about this or all of that we're, we're going to limit the whole creative development of of everyone if we've always got to tick this particular box it's actually not how creative people think creative people think I've got to take this idea and put that that way in a, in a different way. So I guess at the minute, to answer your question, that's what I'm doing with the 3D. I found something I think, oh, this is really cool. And you can embed this and that and the other. And at the minute, that's the zeitgeist that I've tapped into. And Justin's really great to work with, as you are, and I'm sure Mel will be once I contract her after this interview. <laughs> so... You've got, to, you've got to be enthusiastic. Otherwise, you're just trundling stuff out mm. for the sake of it. So, I mean, next year I'll do a funny calendar. I won't do another one because this one's perfect for the moment, but next year needs to be something something new. So what he's saying is he doesn't want to focus on one thing still. <laughs> he's remaining on a project, but that doesn't mean that he's going to focus on it yeah. forever. Yeah. yeah. Oh. I'm, no, I'm semi-focused. Semi yeah. I'm semi-focused. I'm focused on... <laughs> Which is full focus for a normal person. Yeah. Yeah, semi-focused for Craig. <laughs> I think the difference is I'm focused on the 3D as a primary income earner. Yeah. Right? But my own creative work, I like to experiment yep. and sort of move myself forward. And you can't do one without the other. Yep. You, know, you can't just create all day and not have... A different outlet. So yep. you've got to have that kind of balance and, and like footy is the pressure release for me where I can go I go to footy training and I'm not thinking anything creative because it's like that we well, have is, to be in that moment yeah you have to be present then yeah one thing I think people will have picked up is you're, you're a very deep man and very deep thinker but also a very fun person to be around with the calendar no you I can't love, be in it <laughs> I love getting people in and finding out and I think it happened a little bit with a guy, Toby Mobs, recently, that you can look at something and think, wow, that's a cool calendar. 
and you can get a kind of a vibe on, okay, it's doing this, and you read the story, then you look at the pictures, etc. But for you, it's two, three, four layers deeper in meaning. And if we weren't doing this now, I don't think people would know that, that it means more every picture and how it weaves together than most people would realise. Along those lines, I'll be interested at the end of November next year when people have read the title piece in A Galaxy Forms in a Forest Glade and they nail what it actually means and what it's about because I don't mind a bit of creative subversion and that's definitely in that. I think it's a it's it operates on particular levels and I'll be interested to see of the you know, the hundred or so people that bought the calendar, who comes back and goes, I actually got what that is really about. Yeah. Just one thing I wanna ask, what would be your dedication to Josh? My dedication to Josh so I tell you what I admire about Josh is that Josh, like other young people from Coriong, some of which he will know and not know. So Tara Whitsed, for example, was from Tintaldra, became a television reporter. Victoria Chardham from Cancoban is a musician up in Canberra. I love to see young people, not just representing their local community in footy, which is really, really important, but actually fulfilling their dream of what they want to do. So the fact that Josh is sitting here next to you, which is obviously not hard, right, interviewing people like me and others that come on the show means that Josh has actually taken the bull by the horns and he's having a crack. That's the most important thing. And your chance will come after this interview, Mel, when we chat oh, about other things. Oh, there you go, Cam, if you're listening. Josh, have a crack, listen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure anyone would describe me that way, so I, I appreciate that, mate. That means a lot. Craigdent.com.au. Everyone, you can check out all of his work and check him out on Facebook. Right, thank you, sir. Thanks. Laters. Have I told you about how much I hate the word boss? When people call someone a, not having a boss, but using it as like a term saying they're like a legend or that Oh, that awesome. boss move. Yeah. That's a boss move. Oh, your boss. Oh, the words like that drive me nuts. Yeah, okay. Boom was the worst though. I'll make sure that I use it more in future. Probably five, ten years ago, everyone was saying boom when they thought they'd made a great point. Oh, yeah. how did that go? <laughs> boom, boom, boom. boom. Yeah. Oh, no, boom, boom is off Brooklyn my nine. Boom, boom. Boom, <laughs> boom is what they say when they're trying to offer you a massage in Thailand. <laughs> <laughs> is that true? Yeah, boom, boom. Oh, okay. Yeah, they got go. that at you across the street. We've um, just heard a little <laughs> bit more about Josh than maybe we needed or wanted to. <laughs> oh, well, when you hear it 10,000 times in five how, days. How does it say? Boom, 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 boom. Boom, 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 boom. There's like lots of different ones. <laughs> I'll mix them all together and I'll make you a little sock. <laughs> what a mixtape. <laughs> That's the sort of thing that Craig would probably be into. <laughs> boom, boom. So. she call that the boom, boom movement? I don't think we should have any boom, boom movements, <laughs> but I guess we've just started one. If you're out there and you have an idea for the boom, boom movement. Mate. <laughs> so what did you think? You didn't really know him that well, not like I did. No, I didn't know him. But the whole time, I feel like this is very, um, it's just fortuitous of me that I'm getting to experience all these people that have this community aspect, giving mentality. Mm. And I just immediately want to interject and relate and connect and to sit here and just listen to people say about why they do things and it's good to help others and all that stuff. It just makes me happy. Yeah, I can tell. And when we have people on and they do have that 
part of their day or their work or whatever and you use Connect, you do tend to walk out of the house talking about the community stuff. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. <laughs> so, Josh is like, oh, not another Not thing. another community person. <laughs> <laughs> like, why would you do that? <laughs> Can't you just get paid already? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I've known Craig, obviously, for a long time. It didn't really come up in there, but I've gotten to know him pretty well. Mm-hmm. And I loved, and sorry, I did mention how relaxed he seemed. Yeah. And it was just so great to be around him when he wasn't as stressed. Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, he tends to put a fair bit on his own plate feel like that's where I could relate. Like if you've got purpose mm. to execute something for others, yep. then it's very easy to overload your plate like it's Christmas Day yep. and just go more, 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 more. And then you regret it after when you've eaten all the said things and you're lying on the couch going, oh. Post-Christmas now I definitely regret. <laughs> Do you? So one thing you mentioned in there was you asked Craig about filling up your day with so much stuff and mm-hmm. having so many projects on the go, what he gets out of that. Yeah. But my what I was thinking at the time was, are you afraid, Mel? This is a question for Mel. Oh, so God. not Craig, this one's for you. And I know that I'm like this, that if you don't have a million things happening, then you've got to be alone with your own thoughts. Oh, yeah. Is okay. that what, Do you think that's part of why you take on 80 million different things? I think there's there's multiple reasons and mm. why I take on 80 million different things is one, actually being busy clarifies my thoughts. So I've got so many thoughts going on all Couple the time thoughts, yeah. <laughs> that actually working my thoughts cohesively with another task actually makes me think clearer. Okay. which doesn't probably make sense to anyone else. So I need not too much distraction, but a level of distraction to actually be able to focus on something. Mm, okay. um, and I like to feel like I'm contributing and having purpose because if you don't have purpose, then it's very easy to get stuck in reflection of what you have and haven't achieved personally. So there's that. That's why I like to be busy. And... I just feel like maybe, and this was maybe a bit of reference on Craig as well, talking about his friend Paula that had passed, is that you're just wasting time, Mm. like not being busy. Like there is elements where there's time where I I know I need to just stop and just have a, a day of nothing, but I still even struggle. There's a definite guilt around not being productive Like, the relaxing part for me doesn't come naturally. One thing that came up in there was Craig was saying that he felt isolated at one point during everything that's been happening. And I think you might have mentioned that certain types of personalities might be more used to that or they desire that more. I would probably be classed as a super, super hardcore introvert, but whatever the next level down from that is, Mm -hmm. probably a, a moderate introvert. I didn't realise until this whole period, and it was you and Craig talking about it that made me realise that I really rely on what little contact with humans I do have, Mm -hmm. as much or more maybe than some people that you would say are more extroverted. Yeah. Because in my life, there was a certain amount that I needed a baseline, and I'd lived around that baseline all the time. I never really pushed to have more contact, but I always needed X amount. Yeah. And then there was a bit less. 
yeah. with certain people and certain members of the family and I've got all these nieces, et cetera, whoever it was that I had a little bit of every over the course of 12 months. I didn't have any of that for a bit. So it was just strange you guys brought it up because you would think the classic personality type is certain people would have been better during this period than others when I found that I wasn't getting my baseline human. Yeah. Yeah, and that, you, that was tough. <laughs> much you don't like human, you need human interaction. Yeah. Because we're humans. <laughs> we <are. laughs> Basically, we are. we're not robots. And you feed, like there's a different balance level. You feed off people. I feed off the purpose that I get from like maybe making people happy and that gives me energy and the same same token it like uses energy, I suppose. But what Craig was saying with the football and everything removed, like I'm usually okay if I'm not working because I have purpose in volunteering and all those other things that I do. But that was all taken away as well. Mm. So that removed any element of feeling like you had satisfaction with what you're going out and doing in every day life and that's my motivator yep. other people's motivators are different they might be thinking ka-ching how much money can i earn and that that fills their cup mine's filled by helping people the community cup getting back community to community cup yeah <laughs> well we also i guess have a cup of a kind and it's a coffee cup it is a coffee cup jump on to punchingsideways.com click the buy me a coffee button and just buy me a bloody coffee not that hard She's about to break one of my microphones, so yeah. I might need the cash. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Well, we, thanks, Mel. I just want to point out that we've had some great guests on recently and also to that, some of them have been very kind to donate us money, which goes towards just production costs because we give up our time, but there are background costs. So thank you so much to all the people that have been sort of filling that cup. That's meant a lot. That's been awesome. Yeah. Right, guys. Well, I guess that'll do. Bye bye. Respecta. <laughs>